Hey guys, welcome ETP Building Blocks. Uh, today we've got Paul on and we're gonna talk about the stages of fat loss. Um, we've had a seminar in the past where we talked about fat loss in general and kind of how to set yourself up for fat loss, but this one in particular is more about what happens when you are in the thick of it. So excited to get going here. I'm gonna go ahead, oops move to our next slide so obviously um, if you're familiar with building blocks this is going to be a bit of a repeat but just want to start off with a brief introduction so i'm susie glassman uh, been a coach here for quite some time i have two kids one of them is home today with a fever so i have um i have bribed him and threatened him and highly encouraged him not to come in here well for the next hour but i can't guarantee that he won't so um, he is he is milking this for all it's worth. He's been sick for about two days now. So um, hopefully we won't have any nine year old interruptions, but um, it could happen. So um, Amber, tell us about yourself. <laughs> hey, guys, Coach Amber here. Uh, I have three teenage daughters and own a CrossFit gym and um, spend my time running around everywhere, like everybody else doing, you know, multitasking, doing 25 different things. I'm super excited to uh, um, talk to you guys about fat loss. That's one thing that we talk an awful lot about. So um, to give you, give you some insight to that. And I am back from a cruise. So excited to be on solid ground that's not moving. That's, that's pretty nice. <laughs> and in a bed that's not moving back and forth, but just stationary. So that's fine. Susie? Yeah, Ed, your turn. All right, guys. So if you've listened before, then you know who I am. I kind of give the same thing, but, you know, it's an introductory about ourselves. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I've been around for about a year full time. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science. Uh, love all types of training, whether that be, you know, weightlifting, running, uh, just hiking, kayaking, stuff like that, just living a healthy, active lifestyle, and just love helping all of you guys uh, to achieve all of your goals. All right, last but not least, the man himself, Paul. Hey, so, uh, yeah, as the founder of Eat to Perform, kind of the interesting thing about um, what this whole presentation is going to be about was is really kind of the mentality of how you need to think. And it really started to make me think of how I lost 100 pounds, right? And the mentality of, of, of that process and, and things of this nature. And so one of the things that we're definitely going to get on in the presentation is the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. And I think you guys are going to be surprised at the manner in which degrees make a big difference and i'll turn off the crickets in the background so there you go back to you Susie. all right very cool so you know as always there is a participation piece in this we like to hear from you i'm going to keep it on the shorter side because we have paul here and I know everybody's way more interested in just getting straight to the topic. So, but I do like to spend some time talking about accomplishments and things like that over the last week. Um, there is a little raised hand where you can type out, um, you know, something in the last week, an achievement, a PR, something that's happened at work, um, something scale related, mindset related. Think about those things. 
Um, we do have a prize at the end that's pretty cool. Um, so I will start off. So last week was my 10 year anniversary. Um, so that's, that's my accomplishment. We made it 10 years. Um, <laughs> But, but but we had a great we actually went out um out of town and um had a really great trip so um amber i'm gonna hand it to you um i am just getting back to normal after fall break and being on vacation so reining all the craziness in that i had with my diet and um, eating whenever you know you feel like it you're on vacation so let's have a little bit here a little bit there and so raining all that back in has been um, a win for me this week so far okay cool what about you Ed okay so I just booked a trip to Florida for mid-January so yeah going to see my parents not sure how much of a vacation that is but <laughs> Uh, it'll be nice down in Florida in the nice warm weather away from the winter and all the cold. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> all right. What you got, Paul? Well, I just got back from New Orleans and uh, it, it was kind of shocked to come back to Minnesota because in New Orleans it was 90 degrees and then within days it was 30 degrees in Minnesota and it had snowed. Um, <laughs> So, so major difference. I'm actually thinking of doing something real similar, Ed, where uh, um, just, you know, early part of January, just get out of Minnesota, just hunker down, do reviews, <laughs> marketing, get people into eat reform. Um, haven't decided where to go. The two biggest candidates are back to New Orleans or uh, Palm Desert. So, uh, but in, in terms of accomplishments, um, the, uh, you know, I recently started back to CrossFit, which has been pretty humbling. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I am enjoying it quite a bit. You know, you get like that, uh, if you're not familiar with CrossFit, almost every CrossFit gym does it this way where they'll post the wad at eight o'clock. So at 7.59, you're like clicking your phone, you know, just to see what the wad is for the next day. And so so for now, I'm clicking my phone, so <laughs> I must be real interested. So yeah, but uh, enjoying it, you know, trying to take it real, real simple, modifying a lot. I've, I've written a few articles about that last couple of days, so you can check those out on the blog. Yeah, very cool. Um, all right, Amber, I'm gonna let you turn it over to the attendees now. Awesome, so we've got some pretty cool stuff going on. My girl, Christine, got a big old PR on her run, which is okay. super, super cool. She's doing an amazing job. Uh, Karen got seven plus hours of sleep three days this week, which is huge, because she gets up at 4.15. So girl, I hear you, I teach a 5 a.m. CrossFit class, so I'm getting up at that same time, and that's early. Um, Ver Verena, hope I said that right is in fat loss right now and is working on staying green, which is fantastic. Ooh, Allison got a front squat PR by 20 pounds. That is fantastic. I would love to get a 20 pound PR on anything. So that would be that's awesome. Um, let's do a couple more. Let's see. Ooh, Catherine got two PRs this week. Um, let's see, on a run, 
and swim run so, um, doing some running and some swimming which is super cool let's see um Ooh, Carrie chose to eat dinner at home instead of stopping at Chick-fil-A. I love some Chick-fil-A. I mean, that is, <laughs> that's some good stuff. If you're going to drive through and get something, I mean, you can't go wrong with Chick-fil-A. But I hear you. Good call at eating dinner at home. You probably already had it planned and entered and prepped. So kudos to you. Good job. Let's see. Um, oh, my gosh. So this one, I don't know if you guys have followed. But my girl, Jamie, is running uh, 365 miles for the year. So she's been chipping away at this goal, and she's down to eight miles left. Wow. To that goal. Holy smokes. She's been well, now it's time to reevaluate your goal and move it to 500. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell her she can move it up a little bit. <laughs> Uh, and Jamie, your last name is Nobles, and I almost put you on as an organizer on this meeting. So, <laughs> so there you go. She's my sister from another mister. Okay. <laughs> All right, give uh, us one more, Amber. Let's see. Um, let's see. Jennifer got PR two lifts this week. Good job. That's fantastic. Everybody's getting a bunch of PRs. My goodness, I need to go in and. That's motivating. Go in and lift. I want to go in and call. Uh, bench. I'll go in and do bench. I haven't PR'd anything in five years. Like yeah. for real. Oh. Yeah. The problem was is that I went to powerlifting and yeah. like just put up all these crazy numbers. And yeah. then I was like, yeah, I'm not about that life. And then <laughs> uh, yeah. I did PR, I did PR on my bench um like okay. a year ago. Oh, that's funny. Right. Yeah, I, I, oh, wait, I forgot to say one thing. I turned 50. Oh, yeah, it's your birthday. That's right. It, it was my birthday. The, uh, yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. Um, I peered my 500 meter row by like a, a half a second, but that counts, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that has to count. Um, all right. So, Let's get into this. So I'm calling this our fireside chat with Paul. It's getting a little bit colder. I'm in Denver. It actually snowed here too. Um, so I'm using this fire image here. But let's get right into it. We know, you know, with Paul, we're going to kind of like I've got slides, but we're also just going to kind of chat here. So um, let's get into that first. Let's talk about the first 10 days and how we should be feeling, Paul. So I think one of the things that happens is that um you know for if you if you've been you've got kind of these superhero macros right you go into the gym and you're crushing it nonstop, you know and then you move your food down and it's a change but it's not like a life-changing change right like the first level down usually isn't going to be that difficult now there would be some people that start relatively you know come from a relatively low place and um but most people are going to be you know for women 24 to 2500 calories for men 3000 to 3500 calories and so when you bring them down to let's say 2200 calories you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the, the whole, you know, 
who would have a problem making $500,000 a year? It's like, well, the person that made five million last year, right? And that's what happens for people is they think that, you know, going down to 2,200 is difficult or for a woman, you know, going down to 1,900, it's not difficult. And so within the first like two to three days, they start using their resolve and they're like so frustrated. And it's like, you cannot get so frustrated within the first three to seven days, right? <laughs> you, you have to, you have to, you know, you're going to need it real soon here. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, the, in terms of being uncomfortable, especially in the first seven to 10 days, the uncomfortable part is not, I mean, like most people that have dieted in the past do recognize that this is not near as extreme as something that they would have done previously, right? It's only uncomfortable kind of similar to what I said before, where, you know, you were making 5 million, now you're making 500,000. Um, it, you know, cleaning up your choices will definitely make a really big difference. Um, one of the things I talked about a lot, I wrote two articles this week. Um, I would go check those out and it, it just basically walked through, you know, the first 10, second 10, and then I, I've yet to do the third 10. But, you know, when you first start off, if you're not pre-logging, you know, especially getting into like, let's say the second 10 days and you're trying to wing it, hey, Chick-fil-A is open, baby, right? <laughs> you, you are 100% taking the mulligan on that day. And, um, you know, that that's the value of, of being prepared. So so keep that in mind, because I think a lot of people go, OK, Paul said that. So that's cool. I'll, I'll keep that as an option. No, I'm not saying it as optional. I'm saying it is that's the way to do it. <laughs> right. So keep that in mind. Yeah. So are you willing to tell us a little bit about your experience versus Vicky's? You were telling me that on the phone a bit. Yeah, well, you know, the, um, you know, my wife is, is very different. Like one of the things that actually she mentioned when we were in fat loss in the past um, was, and I wrote about this in the article because people tend to do this, right? So they look at the things that they look at their kind of wish weight. Right. So, you know, they went on a cruise similar to Amber and the, their normal wish weights like 147, but they were 149. But it's no big deal. You know, and then they come back from the cruise and they're 154 and they use their wish weight as like this, the thought process. Right. So instead of, you know, thinking I'm 149 or I'm sorry, 154, they think I'm 149. And so it sort of diminishes the accomplishment, right? And if you think that that's unimportant, unimportant, you're really wrong because this is about momentum and it's about clawing and scratching for every little piece. And so if in your head, you can't get out of the fact that you were 149 pounds when you were 23, Right. I mean, and that happens. Right. We're 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 saying this and we're laughing, but that is exactly where people are at. What people don't do is give themselves credit for the day to day. Right. 
And in terms of individual days, I think one of the things that I was talking about with Susie was that my wife would look at, you know, her weight on a high day, right? Um, meaning, meaning a high day within each form or a medium day within each form and not really compare it to a low day, which is her lowest calories, right? And so if you wake up the very next day after a low day and you're down two pounds, that's the number you're actually trying to get back towards. The whole point of eat to perform is to make your weight fluctuate. And people are like, oh my goodness, I don't want my weight to fluctuate. Too bad. That's what a metabolism is. That's how you lose weight and sustain it. The problem with the way that people think about it is they want to lose weight constantly all the time. And so that initial water flush is really super motivating. But it's not motivating if you start mentally at 154, right? right. Because, because the water flush is basically like a given. You know, and so at every point, you know, like like I'll give you an example of what Susie just said. Um, you you have every right to change the way you think about anything based on any given event in history, right? So like I just told you guys um, that I haven't PR'd anything, and then I thought to myself, well, I've never been fifty before. So I'm thinking of resetting all my PRs to all my PRs after 50. Yeah. You are welcome to change anything that will motivate you more, right? There's nothing that will motivate you less. And I think what the problem happens in that scenario is you kind of get this, well, the calories didn't give me this, Right. Or, you know, my workouts didn't give me this as if you are divorced from control. No, you are in charge. Right. And so that mentality of you being in charge and that mentality of take credit for every inch you earned is really important. Cool. Um, Amber, you have any thoughts while we were talking about specifically? Have you done fat loss in a while? Have you? had these first 10 days issues any comments um no i think that that's a great point to make as far as motivation um that paul made and and finding what uh kind of lights your fire and sparks you and it's true you know a lot of people use their resolve in the first 10 days and man uh 28 can be a long time so uh it's one of those you know we talk about it in crossfit and i'm sure paul you've heard this you know you embrace the suck you know this is going to be hard, and that's okay. But if you, See, but that's what I'm saying. It can't suck right now. You just started. No, 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 not that it's immediate. Not that it's immediate, yeah. but that you are aware that right now the first ten you're doing a thirty minute AMRAP. The first five minutes aren't bad. The next ten minutes aren't that bad. They're worse than the first five, but they're not that bad. Then you've got the next 15 and you're continually going the same concept of fat loss. If you use those first five minutes of your 30 minute AMRAP and you think the world's burning down, you got 25 more minutes to go of this workout. That's really going to going to crush you. So it's the same idea, meaning that if you can embrace that journey and have, you know, your expectations aligned with that journey, then it's it's 
you're more likely to be successful. So yeah, so this I is why this is, Paul. So this this is why people that overreact to one weekend and then want to go into fat loss, that's why they fail, right? Because the the problem is, is that when you don't walk into something, you haven't scheduled, you haven't put it on a calendar, you haven't worked towards that mentally, right? Mm -hmm. You want what you haven't earned. And I say that in a respectful way, right? Like you have to walk into it. And so if you, if you just, you know, are overreacting and you move to fat loss, on a after a bad weekend guess what it, you haven't done you haven't mentally prepared yourself you haven't thought about how your workouts are going to change you haven't stocked up on zma to make sure that you're sleeping you have you know all these different things that are going to help you and i think that that's one of the biggest things that people don't really account for when you're scratching and clawing for every inch every inch give yourself credit for like Amber was saying is that, you know, when you get, when you go through that first five minutes of a, of a workout and you look up at that clock and you see, you know, that there's 28 minutes left, turn mm -hmm. around, right? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> turn around and, and look away from the clock, you know, and you can come back later on, but you've got to get your focus right. You know, and you've got to you've got to accept the challenge. And I think the last thing I'm going to talk about, and I'll probably talk about it more than once, is it almost has to be about the process rather than the weight. Now, this isn't any trust the process bullshit, right? But you know, it really is more about you know how high was your runway, right? Are you being serious? I mean, I remember one of the things with um, Vicky from back in the day was, uh, you know, if she didn't go for a walk on that day, she noticed a really big difference, especially if she wasn't able to work out, you know. And so she only had to do that one time. If you're going to make the same mistake over and over again, you know, I really kind of question whether or not you should be in fat loss in the first place. Fat loss really needs to be one of those things, you know, where you, it, it's got to hurt, right? It's got to be uncomfortable. And the first seven days really isn't the uncomfortable part. You're just really setting up for the uncomfortable part. Yeah, exactly. And I think when we talk about managing that fat loss cycle, you know, if it's not on the books or something like that, you should be planning it around when can I, like, if you're a lifter who has an off season or you're not going to just jump into fat loss during the CrossFit Open, you know, things like that. That's all part of this. Um, so I know we're going to talk into how do we manage this hunger because, um, you know, eventually, you know, you are going to get uncomfortable. So, Paul, let's talk about managing hunger now. Well, I know Susie and I both, do this or some version of this. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm a big believer in I'd rather be hungry in the morning than in the evening, right? And so um, I will eat later in the day. There's one caveat, though, and that's when you wake up at three in the morning because you're starving, right? 
Um, so a great example, I had something come up, you know, the, you know, when I was doing fat loss in the past and, uh, you know, the hunger kind of woke me up because I wasn't, you know, I, I had all my food prepared and stuff like this, but it, you know, I, I was going to this meeting and the meeting was supposed to end at seven 30 and it ended up at nine 30. And then I had like 1500 calories to eat. You know, and so I ended up eating like eight to nine hundred calories. I thought I'd be fine, wasn't fine. Woke up at three o'clock, and I'm not gonna wait till noon just because there's some arbitrary rule in place, right? Um, there's just no, you know, that's that's another big reason why people fail is because they do something like that with an expectation. And so, you know, if you think of, you know, your will as like a glass of water, right? Why would you drink all of your water at very early on and in a place that really doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So you have this big glass that needs to last 30 days, you know, and you're going to waste half of it because you woke up at three o'clock in the morning. Just have some oatmeal and chill out. Right. I mean, the the I think that's the difference between sort of this long term view. And what happens in that scenario is you kind of end up, you know, kind of setting up this paradigm where you continuously start waking up at three o'clock and you continuously have to drink that water, drink that water. And then all of a sudden, you know, fat loss didn't work for you. Was it really a fat loss problem or was it you set up like these arbitrary rules and you thought that the more rigid you were, the better off you'd be? And, you know, frankly, the coaching will get you there, but you've got to kind of stay out of your own way. So so while I say, you know, skipping breakfast, maybe getting a little bit hungry, if, if it's so excessive that you've got headaches and things of this nature, that's not really the idea. Um, so we talked a little bit about both of those, uh, you know, in terms of delaying breakfast. The other that that's really good is staying busy, especially in the morning. You know, um, if you're just going to sit there and you're going to like, you know, watch a, you know, something on Netflix while you're hungry, it might get you through it, but you also might want a snack, right? I don't know yeah. about you guys. When I watch a movie, I want a snack, you know? So I go to the bank, you know, I, I take care of errands and it, it actually surprises people how energized they are without food in that scenario. Now, once again, we're assuming that you you know, kept the majority of your food for the evening part, right? Um, one great tip there is mixed meals, but especially with mixed meals with fat. You know, um, I've always had carbohydrates before bed. You know, I've known the value of that, and I think most eat performers know the value of that. But in fat loss in particular, you really want to save the majority of your fats for the evening. Because fats are like a log on the fire, speaking of fireside chats, right? Like they're like a log on the fire. It's going to allow you to sleep better. Um, in terms of caffeine, 
uh, I think you should really stick to, um, you know, anytime after 9 a.m., um, if you're one of those people, like I nap, so so it's 9 a.m. for me. Some people can get away with noon. Vicky, if she drinks caffeine even at noon, uh, Vicky's my wife, she'll be up till 3 a.m. So you have to kind of kind of play it by how your body responds to it. But all you people that say caffeine doesn't matter, right? And then you tell me that you only sleep five hours a day. Guess what? It matters, right? Um, and whenever I modified my behavior, you know, that's been one of the biggest changes that has allowed me to go from six and a half to, to eight hours sleep a day. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Paul talking about delaying hunger. I totally agree with don't put a time limit on that. If you wait too long, um, you you will overeat. <laughs> like I've gotten periods of time um, in my past where I've fasted for a very long time, say like 24 hours. Um, and you can be surprised all of a sudden one one meal is a thousand calories. <laughs> and I would be like, oh, I'd never eat that many calories in one meal. But that's, you know, I haven't eaten in so long. Um, the other thing I want to stress is that I think um, as a culture, um, most of us are Americans here, but I think Americans tend to like freak out when we're hungry. And I think it's, you know, easy access to snacks or, you know, pantry, those kinds of things that have just gotten us to where, you know, stomach growls and you're like, I, I've got to eat. Um, I will say that, um, you know, that, Hunger is something you can manage. Like Paul said, you stay busy, go run some errands, do something. That hunger will go away. <laughs> so um, as long as you um, don't freak out when it happens um, and then know, like, have your next meal planned and stick to that plan. Now, if you need to eat it earlier, that's fine. But know what that next meal is going to be and then save some carbs and fats before bed. I like to have decaf. Um, I know there's probably a little bit of caffeine in, in decaf, but I can still sleep just fine. And I have some creamer in it, and that's my fat. Um, and I find I sleep really well with that. But um, let me go to Ed. What kinds of things do you do to manage hunger? Yeah, so I was just doing a fat loss cycle, and I learned really quickly that you definitely want to delay out your first meal if you can. Uh, that helped me tremendous, tremendously. So um, I, I you definitely want to eat later in the day, I think, because it does it can help you with sleep. Um, like Paul said, you could wake up starving at 3 a.m. So that's obviously not that's not good. A lot of people do see really good results if they do have carbs at night. Not a ton, because if you're, you know, overfed, if you had too many calories, that might be uncomfortable. It might give you too much energy energy to sleep. Um, but I think that's a good idea. Um Staying busy, definitely a huge thing. Maybe it's just going for a walk that can get your mind off of it. Bored eating is very real. Um, so as long as you're staying busy, then you'll be fine. And coffee does mess up my sleeping patterns pretty bad. So I have to definitely limit my caffeine consumption in fat loss. So, so yeah. yeah. Cool. Amber, you have Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Sorry. The um, I think that people want to believe that they don't, they shouldn't be uncomfortable, right? 
if you're not uncomfortable, you're not really dieting and you're not really in fat loss, right? Because I mean, how many people do we know that come to us and they're like, I can eat 1200 calories and I'm not really even that hungry. Well, that's also why you can't lose any weight, right? If it's not uncomfortable, then you're not really doing very much. And so if that sounds like you need to actually be hungry to actually make some progress, that's exactly what I'm saying, is that if you're never hungry in this process, you're really not sending a signal to your body to use store bodily fat as fuel. Similar with PR, right? Like in, in Recomp, which is the way that you should be, you know, we spend a lot of time in, in fat loss because people need to know how to manage that better. But in terms of uh, performance recomp, if you just like, for instance, most of my workouts right now are modified and because uh, I'm just starting off with CrossFit, don't want to get hurt. You don't want to kind of work my capacity up and then start to push things. But I know right now that I'm not super uncomfortable, you know, and no real change happens when you're comfortable. Right. So whether it's you know, in a fat loss phase where you're hungry, you're going to be uncomfortable. Whether it's in a PR phase and you're trying to push the weights higher or, or, or longer runs or faster runs or things of this nature, you should get sore. You should feel uncomfortable, right? That means you're doing it right, you know? Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to the next phase. So let's talk about frustration factor. You uh, mentioned this a little bit, but it is something that I see quite often. Um, so let's talk about that, um, how we handle frustration, how we set expectations, that mindset. Well, I talked a little bit about this already with the whole thought process as it relates to weight. But as you as you get deeper into the cycle, the problem you're going to have is that there's going to be some level of of uh, fluctuation there, and the way that I always kind of view it is from week to week. Now, you know, when you're four weeks in, you you're supposed to be kind of getting a result, right? And you should be seeing more and more progress. I don't typically have an issue with this, but what I see is that some people, you know, for instance, let's say that you're a, a woman and it's, you know, time for your cycle, right? And weight fluctuates up a little bit. If that frustrates you and then you kind of, you know, hit the Chick-fil-A like we were talking about earlier, you know, it's not that one thing can't be overcome. But usually that one thing turns into four or five things. And the whole point of 28 days is so that you're hyper-focused on seeing that result, right? And so setting yourself up mentally that you're going to have days that are up and days that are down, you have to really compare yourself. What, What I would highly encourage everyone to do is to look back at the highest weight that they were, you know, before they started fat loss, even if it was seven days before that, and then compare that against the 28 days, 
right? Don't compare that against the sixth day because you that's not that's not fair. You know, there's many reasons why your body holds on to water. The the other thing too, and this is sort of hard to talk to you guys about because I don't want everybody going out and get DEXA scans because we've had talks about that too, right? But you know, if you ever notice that when you go to fat loss, you see a change really fast, but you don't necessarily see it on the scale, right? So you'll wake up and you're like, damn, I'm looking great. And then you go to the scale and your scale is like, you know, the same as it's been for the last two weeks. You know, one, obviously carbohydrates are going to have a little bit more um water so you know you're not going to be as tight as you would be in a fat loss cycle but the other part is that your body actually becomes more efficient i actually talked about this on last week's podcast is that yeah we would all like to think that we could live in pr and never manage our weight i just don't know how realistic that is right um i certainly think you could if you were a you know, an active individual and, and things of this nature. Um, and you could manage your weight that way. But at the end of the day, I think that increasing insulin sensitivity and and working through that piece always has some value. And you're talking to someone who hasn't done a four, fat loss cycle in four years. I still believe most people, you know, have to manage their weight. And I think the other thing, when we talk about setting ourselves up correctly, there's a lot of people that have numbers in their head based on very little, right? I mean, and I think one of the things that happens for people is they remember when they were 145, when they were 29 years old, and now they're 43 with four kids. It's like, it's like imagining living yourself on Mars when you actually live on Earth right? Like it, there's not even a relationship. Like I was talking to um, one of my private clients the other day and she kind of hit me with one of those, right? Before my son, I weighed X. And then after my son, I weighed X. I'm like, well, you're probably not accounting for the fact that you could have gained up to 12 pounds of muscle in that pregnancy cycle, right? And she's like, no, I didn't. I said, so if you were, let's say, 140 pounds, and now your new weight is 152 pounds if you put on 12 pounds of muscle, right? And she's like, well, but I don't really want 152. Too bad, right? I'm not in the business of granting wishes, right? (laughs) Your body put on all this muscle. You don't want to blow through a whole bunch of muscle in an attempt to get lean. There's just way too many people that put a bunch of arbitrary bullshit, you know, now if you're 290 pounds, sure, you know, some level of weight loss. But even in that instance, the thing that we see over and over again, I was looking at a file today where a person started at 330 and um, five months later, he's at 292, right? And uh, he was definitely happy, right? And and should be happy. Um but I could see a lot of people that would be discouraged. I actually remember a guy that canceled that did a really similar type thing 
where he's down 40 pounds in five months. It's like, what did you expect? Right? Like you're not really trying to lose, you know, 150 pounds in 150 days, you know, and it's this unrealistic expectation. And we, we all kind of know what happens in those scenarios, right? The more aggressive you are, really, the more prone you are to just pulling water out of your body and then, you know, um, kind of getting that. I wish there was a better term for it, but like skinny fat, where you're just blowing through a, just a shit ton of muscle, right? So you want to kind of keep away from that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've always heard the term, um, you know, you're looking to lose about one percent to one and a half percent of your body weight per week. So even if you were 280 pounds, you're looking at maybe 2.8. Um, think about some 150 pounds, maybe 1.5, maybe, you know, a little bit less. More than that, and you're blowing through muscle. Um, yeah, so but I can see a scenario where someone thinks to themselves, well, you know, in the first week, I lost five pounds of water. I can't count that. It's like, count it all, right? Don't ever diminish your accomplishments. You know, I mean, if you don't think water matters in, as it relates to fat loss, you're wrong because your body would prefer to be hydrated. Your body would prefer to have as much energy as possible. So anytime you're restricting and you see positivity on the scale, you know, you got to give yourself credit for that. And if, if you're not seeing positivity on the scale, you can look to measurements. You can look to, I, I think, you know, I mean, I'm just going to be real honest with you. Like, like I love myself at all stages, right? So when I was in a fat loss cycle and I look in the mirror and I see myself a little bit leaner, I'm going to give myself credit for that. If I see myself a little bit bigger, I'm going to flex and go, you know what? Look at these guns, right? Like find something that accentuates the positive, right? Because the next part that we're going to be talking about is – where you're kind of going into that last rabbit hole stage. And then I want to walk you through that a little bit. All right, cool. I'm going to let um, Amber and Ed talk about frustration here. Um, Amber, you go first. I think it just goes back to managing your expectations and, you know, setting your resolve for the entire process and um, everything that we, we keep talking about. Cool. Ed? Um, Ed. Yeah. So one thing that I see often is that a lot of clients will say, you know, I'm not seeing the scale move at all, but then I'll see, you know, I'll go back a week before fat loss and they've lost eight pounds. Um, so I think that's a big point. You really have to go back and look what your high point was right before fat loss and see where you are now. And yeah, there's going to be some water being pulled out of your body, but like Paul said, it's still, it's still being pulled out of your body. You know, you have to be proud of, all the weight that you lose. And uh, just try to keep that in mind that if you look at right before to where you are now, you're probably surprised yourself of how much progress you made. Yeah, for sure. I always encourage people to take pictures. And then another thing I see is like, we're talking about somebody says, well, I hit 147, that was my low. And then I went back up to 149 and I haven't seen 147 again. We'll look at it like, I always say, we're gonna start seeing it more. So you went 147, you bounced to 149. The next week you might see 147 two or three times, and then you might start seeing 146. So yeah, you're gonna have that bounce up and down, but it's you know something to definitely you want to manage. So 
Um, don't, okay. you feel, don't you feel like in your scenario that the person is divorced from them being in charge, right? Oh, yes. the scale didn't give me 147 today. Well, what did you do extra, right? Like, think about it like this, you know, <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I could think of, you know, um, I don't want to use that example, but, but the, um, the, your body is going to build up a resistance to whatever it is you do. So if you think that the numbers that we're giving you are magical, you're wrong. If you think that the templates that we're giving you for working out, you're wrong, right? You have to go, okay, I did that. That got me to 147. Oh, by the way, when you were 147 that one time, you were just really dehydrated that day, right? You were out in the sun. You didn't realize it. You didn't think about it. it, it there's just too many things that people factor in. Now, one thing that Susie said, I think that was, was really super valuable that I, you know, really everybody should hear is that if you're 120 pounds and you're going into fat loss and you're expecting to lose 10 to 15 pounds in like the first 28 days, you've lost your mind. I mean, like, like, like if you're 120 pounds, the most you should expect is five to six pounds, right? Anything more than that is like super bonus level, right? You know, if you're a 200 pound man and you go four weeks into fat loss and you lose anything near eight pounds, that is a great result, right? I think what happens for people, and this is this is one of the reasons, and you know, we'll we'll maybe do a second podcast to talk about this in the future. Cause I was thinking that one of the things that would be cool is if we did one for this, one for the APs, and one for the, the second stage of fat loss, right? Oh, yeah. But but I see a lot of people that get really uncomfortable in the first 28 days and they lose, you know, eight to 10 pounds and they're really happy with that result. And then they don't do fat loss too. And then three months later they come back and go, well, I just gained it all back. Yeah. That's what was, that's what's supposed to happen. Right? Like the reason why you do the second stage is so you kind of dig into those reserves so that you're not constantly in rinse and repeat mode, right? That's the reason why you also build a lot of runway. So if you know, you're know you at 2,100 calories and you wanna cut down the fat loss, we know that people that get to 2,500 calories have a lot more success than someone at 2,100 calories. So while we might not say to you, no, you can't do it, we will say to you, you know, I mean, if we need to buy some mental real estate, go right ahead, but let's be careful about what we're thinking here, right? Because all we're going to really end up doing is just kind of working out these really low levels. And when you, when you look at anybody that's made major success as it relates to weight loss, fat loss, it always comes down to this one thing. How much were they doing and how long were they doing it, right? That is always the big answer. Using periodic you know, times to go down, that's how I lost 100 pounds. But the good majority of the time in that 100 pounds, I was eating 5,000 calories and working out a ton, right? And if I could do it all over again, it'd be kind of fun to do it all over again just from the standpoint of I know the formula better now, right? 
but you know, um, I will say one last thing in that regard. If you're, let's say, 290 pounds, like the example I mentioned earlier, you probably do need to be in fat loss a little bit more than you think, but not all the time, right? I mean, you know, I remember one of my private clients, you know, I've talked about her a number of times because it's just such a great story, is that she'd been dieting since she was like 11 years old, and she was always um, a bigger child, a bigger woman, right? All these different things. And when I said to her, she didn't have to be dieting. She's like, Oh, thank God, you know? And, and I think that that's important for people to know. Now, you know, in that time, you can still push down, you can still push the, you know, like, at one point, we were talking and, you know, she was doing a lot of lifting. Well, guess what, you know, when you're lifting, you're not really burning a lot of calories. So we added some high intensity work and some long endurance to help with that. Well, well so we're on the subject of, we're on the subject of workouts. So let's go into workouts and, and what we're looking for, um, especially as we're going through the this first 28 days. So, like I said, you know, from my perspective, it would be very similar to the way that I'm approaching entering CrossFit. You know, um, I think what happens for a lot of people is in the first seven days, they immediately start adjusting their workouts. I think that's a bad idea. You might um, think you feel it, but you probably don't. I would try and just stick to the workouts the way that you normally do them as long as possible. Trust me, when your sleep starts getting short, when you know, you'll get signals that tell you when to pull back on your workouts, right? So as an example, I mean, I, I, I use CrossFit as an example just because it's an easy one, but, you know, same thing applies for running, same thing applies for, um, you know, uh, powerlifting. When I start to feel uncomfortable, I will move to the women's RX. It becomes more of a cardio workout, things of this nature. On um, powerlifting, you might want to move to more of a bodybuilding way of doing things for a bit. And then once food comes back, you can, you know, regain your energy. Um, I do think, you know, one of the things that's sort of interesting, I mean, you know, I'm not going to talk a lot about it. But there's a lot of people that compete in weight-restricted sports. Um, and... I'm just going to say it to you like it is. You're doing it because you want to be dieting all the time. I can't tell you how many people that are power lifters or Olympic lifters, and then they have to diet down to be 143 or diet down to be 189. You just, you're doing it so you could diet more, right? Like the whole point of a weightlifting sport is to go into it fed where you're most capable, right? And when you're dieting, you know, there's so many, you know, I was reading, you know, this one guy who's, you know, he's always quoting studies and things of this nature. And, you know, everyone was kind of talking about, oh, I totally go keto, you know, last four weeks right before there's just no way you're lifting as much as you could possibly lifting four weeks after four weeks of keto, right? So 
let's be real about what you really are doing. You're just really trying to lose weight all the time. It's not about you being strong. And if you can change that paradigm, it will change your life. Um, the other part is that you can do too much cardio. Now, people will take this two ways, right? One, they'll move down to 4,000 4, steps. And I still think that there's value in eight to 12,000 steps a day. In fact, if I was to do it, if I was to program it for people, I'd go start with 8,000 steps, then move to 10,000 steps, then move to 12,000 steps. What do I think about more than 12,000 steps? If you work in a factory, right, and you walk around all day long, don't listen to what I'm saying here as if you have no options, right? You, you, for your job, you have to walk 20,000 steps. That's just the way it is. But I'm saying to you that the difference between 12 and 20 isn't that big. So there's a lot of people that will, you know, like I said, when, when you're in charge, they'll start adding in all this cardio and then they put themselves at much more risk for losing muscle in that process, right? And so, so kind of keep that in mind. Um, when you're outside of the workout, like I said, you know, with work, um, it, you know, if you're naturally going to be high, you know, naturally, I, I get 10,000 steps. Most of the days I'm on the phone talking to two or three different people. So I don't typically have to add steps. Um, but, you know, in terms of, of calories, you know, what are some things that you can add? You know, I don't have any problem with like maybe a short hit session or some of the things that like just mix it up, try and see what works and then realize that your body's going to adjust to that relatively quickly with a small amount of food, right? So, you know, you have to kind of see what works best for you that allows you to, to sleep. I mean, we haven't really talked about sleep that much, and really that should be the biggest emphasis. If you're short on sleep in a dieting cycle, you're much more prone to blow through muscle than you are to blow through fat. And so you have to keep that in mind um, if you're just ignoring sleep, right? And I see this a lot to the overreacting people. The overreacting people, they're, they're overreacting because they're on three hours sleep and things of this nature. And then they go into a fat loss cycle, which is, you know, anywhere from 60 to 80 days. And that whole time they're getting three to four hours sleep. And then you keep telling them, it's your sleep, it's your sleep, it's your sleep. And they don't want to hear you, right? Yeah. Um, because they're just reacting all the time rather than, you know, like for me, you know, you know, Susie and I, and I think pretty much everybody on staff recommends the book, Why We Sleep. The last six months, I've changed the way that I sleep. I spent six months just working on that. The good majority of people don't work, don't work like that, right? They want instant results and they want to react to every single thing. And I'm telling you that if you move to that way of thinking of things, right, you're not going to squat 500 pounds tomorrow, right? You're going to have to have a plan for that. You're not going to fix 
insomnia that you've been dealing with since you were eight years old yesterday, right? It's going to take a bit to figure that stuff out. Trying to figure it out when in fat loss, probably a really bad idea. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. And to go on to the point, like, you know, calories and, and are they the, the, the end all be all? I just had a conversation with a client today um, where she was in, um, she's a new client. So a lot of times we have new clients come in and that's a little bit harder when talking about fat loss because we don't know what they were eating before. We don't know the calories, that sort of thing. But anyway, she's a new client and she's been tracking macros for a year. And so she's just not able to lose weight. Um, and then so I get into, um, you know, what she's doing on a daily basis. Well, she does CrossFit four days a week, um, which you don't want her to change that. But she says, you know, she works an office job. And on the other days of the week, she gets maybe four to five thousand steps. Um, so what I my advice to her was to, you know, focus on getting more movement outside of those workouts, because people think. I do CrossFit, I burn 600 calories while I'm at CrossFit, why am I not in this big deficit? Um, I think one thing people is tend to overestimate the calories they burn in a workout, and then two, trying to underestimate calories that are burned just through walking. Um, so I do think that a combination of steps and exercise is very important. Um, but her other comment is, well, you know, anytime I'm off, like one day, one meal, I put the weight back on and I'm right back at ground zero. Um, and I think that's another part of that frustration factor, but it's also somebody who's relying on the calories to do the work. So you have that off meal, maybe, you know, when an anniversary, whatever, um, you know, go for an extra long walk. <laughs> like I'm not well, saying add in three more days of CrossFit a week. I'm saying like get moving and that can be a big piece of this puzzle. So Paul, do you have thoughts on that? Well, you told me to eat more and my weight went up. It's like, <laughs> well, first of all, your weight has been dying to go up. You know, like people don't like to hear this next thing that I'm saying too bad. That's just the way nature works. Your body would prefer to grow, right? So if you give yourself, if you give your body a little bit more food, guess what? It's been dying for more food forever. Quit starving your body, right? Now, that does not mean that your body won't fluctuate down. That's why we have low days, right? Why we, we're, trying to, we're trying to have these periods where you're more hydrated, work out better, more energy, things of this nature, and then you have these periodic low days. But I always wonder if, like, that person is really going to get it long term, right? Mm -hmm. Because if all you can think about is the thing that's right in front of you, you're never going to see the big picture. You're never going to take a six-month outlook. You're never going to fix your sleep. You're never going to focus on, on steps like you were saying. It, it, it really is all about the obsession. And, you know, let's be real. There's a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's actually a clinical problem, right, where, you know, it, you know eating disorders – in general have been around for a long time but they're much more heightened since 1960s what what happened in the 1960s the advent of dieting and extreme dieting right and so while there's a lot of factors that go into what eating disorders look like i don't know that you necessarily want to put yourself in a position to where 
you're kind of testing that all the time, right? And if you're fearful of doing what is right for yourself, you know, that's something that you really should take a look at in a big way, you know, because if you think, you know, well, my body only responds well if I eat 1,200 calories, what you're really saying is, is that you have to undereat just to be marginal, right? Just to be mediocre. You don't know what it's like to exceed. You don't know what it's like to get to that level where you go to the gym and crush it, where you're lifting weights, where you're running far, where you're hiking long, right? Because everything is about the thing right in front of you and the scale is paying too much attention. For a lot of people, it hurts their sleep, it hurts their thyroid, it hurts their nails, they're losing their hair, you know. For what? what what's the big payoff, right? So you could stay 142 pounds and your weight never fluctuates? You know what? If you allow your weight to go to 145, it'll probably come back to 142 anyway, and you would be much more. I think there's an interesting point about weight loss in general that people need to be thinking about. If, as an example, you lose eight pounds, if you said that to a power lifter, they would be like, why the hell would I want to lose eight pounds, right? The, the people that are doing it seriously, right? They want to keep their weight up because they want to lift more weight. But if you lose eight pounds and you do something like cardio, your work capacity actually should go up. The amount of work volume should go up. So now you go, well, okay, my calories were low, and so therefore I lost a lot of weight. So therefore when I add calories back in, I'm going to gain weight. Well, you're sort of forgetting about the fact that you weigh eight pounds less and your work capacity actually should go up as you bring more food into the equation, right? So now instead of doing four pull-ups, you're doing eight, right? Now, instead of two toes to bar and then jumping off the bar, you're doing six. That's how you build muscle. That's how you build lean. I can't tell you how many people are in the similar situation of what Susie just talked about, where they're 30% body fat, their body's clinging on to fat because they're never giving themselves the stimulus to grow, to be more. And that was the argument I was making a little bit earlier that weight management is probably going to be something you want to consider for the rest of your life. It's not something to be super obsessive about if, if the scale goes up. There's just way too many people that go, okay, I got down to 199.7. Please don't get me over to 200. It's like, okay, that's, that's too far. You know, like you've gone too far, you know, and, and, you know, we've already kind of gone, and maybe we can do another podcast about this, but but there's a very real connection between depression and undereating and the way that you view yourself and undereating. This is why we've always made the case for food as an ally. We've always made a case for not being hungry all the time. And when we say, you know, you can do this plan without being hungry all the time, what we mean is, is that even in fat loss, you shouldn't be starving nonstop. But when you're working out and you're PRing in, in, or um, in, in performance recomp, you really want to feed that progress, right? 
And if you can think of that standpoint as we move out of dieting or move into the AP phases, embrace those times as the energy starts to come back and then you'll kind of get the, the overall plan. So Susie, I think you might have muted yourself. I did, my dogs keep barking. Okay, I'm gonna move on to the next slide. Um, just because I wanna get to this, we're already at an hour. Um, we do have now the option where we're talking about going lower. Um, I do think we should have a follow-up podcast on, on, on going lower and then you know the AP stages, but let's, let's quickly, because um, we're already over an hour, go through going lower and then we'll take questions. So, you know, there's been a few changes to eat to perform, and this is this is one of them. Um, you know, certainly when you build the runway and you pull things down, um, you're going to see a, a pretty acute result. What we're instituting now is kind of phasing it in, in which I think is a little bit better approach, and what we're sort of seeing is when you get to that option, which usually happens about, you know, the 10th day of, of being in, in fat, the first fat loss cycle, and it would adjust for the 14th day, is you're going to have the option to go a little bit lower. I would highly suggest that you take it. Even if, like, I have a I have a guy that is down 13 pounds, and I suggested to him, let's wait, you know, four more days because he's a private client. And he can message me anytime he wants. Um, let's wait, but I'm going to probably recommend that we take the next step down, and the reason why is your body's going to adjust, right? And so some of the frustration that you're going to have. If you've seen a lot of progress, you know, you probably still want to go lower because that's how we build it in, right? And, you know, that is a little bit of a departure from the way that we did things even six months ago. Now, usually what we would have seen is that you would have been most aggressive um, just right out the gate. We're kind of graduating that a little bit more. And what we've seen is that you know, that's working better for a lot of people. Um, it does suck, right? Like it really, really sucks. Like I can't explain how much it sucks, you know? And the reason why I'm saying that so many times is because I want you guys to understand that we have people that say often, you know, oh, you know, I did fat loss, and I'd actually rather stay in fat loss. What they're, what they're really saying is, is it really wasn't that uncomfortable. And, you know, we've been talking and, and you know, all the people here are, are leads of coaching. And when someone says that, the first thing that we do is go, well, then we might need to make it more uncomfortable for that person. Fat loss is something that you should be dying to get out of. Yeah. Right. And if you aren't, you know, there's probably more more involved. But as you can see from the groups, the good majority of people that are in fat loss 
or dreaming about a donut, you know, or whatever memes they're putting up for that day, right? Um, or in the in the case of the image on the slideshow that Susie has, the person's looking for fries. But it should be hard. It should hurt. You should not want to do it, right? You should be ambivalent. That's what we talk about for any great change is going to, to need to be hard. And so when you come into this, you know, seven to 10 days, you should have been green that whole time. You should have been following the plan that whole time. You should have been pre-logging the whole time. And if you start to, you know, um, try to wing it in this stage, you're really screwed, right? When your calories get lowered, you're just not going to have enough food. You're going to have to really actively think about strategies. You know, if you're not eating veggies, you know, regularly, that's going to be a struggle. I mean, that's going to help in terms of, uh, you know, satiety, um, fiber, you know, black beans is a big one that I use. I try to use that in kind of bowls and stuff, depending on what I'm eating. But but food volume definitely helps in that scenario. Um, someone was asking, you know, what, what was one of my tips for, uh, you know, low days. And I said, popcorn, you know. Um, I, I've said this before. I'm not. I'm not. I'm unabashedly a fan of Skinny Girl Lime popcorn, right? Um, and uh, not a lot of calories there, but will help you kind of get over the hump. Yes. And that once again, becomes really important to save your fats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I want to get to questions too, but I'm going to say like, this is one of the biggest differences I see with people who are newer coming into Eat to Perform versus people who've been around a long time. The new people will say, gosh, all these people are posting in the Facebook group about how hard fat loss is and, and you know, all these different scenarios. And I don't feel that way. Well, that's because, you know, they've, cause they're coming to us at 12 or 1400 calories and they don't have this card <laughs> to go lower. They're 1200 calories. Where am I going to take you? 800? Um, you know, your sleep, I mean, everything's going to go to hell if I take you to 800. So then those people have to spend a little bit more time to then get to this point where, you know, 1500 or for a female, um, or 1600 calories is really hard. So well, I know we have got, you don't have a metabolism, right? Right. Yeah. Like the, the, the whole point of metabolism is that you're digesting more food, you're using more food, you're more energetic throughout the day, you're sleeping great, right? When you are constantly under eating, constantly under sleeping, living on caffeine, uh, doing workouts that suck, you know, I mean, what's the end game here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, is, is that the goal? You know, is that what life's about? You know? I think life's about being more. Life is about having a healthy, thriving metabolism. And all metabolism is, people think of metabolism as this like, you know, hocus pocus thing. It's not. It's the amount of food you eat, the amount of food that you digest, and the amount of muscle you have. So everything, every single day of your life should be working towards that, that, that goal. And the few times that it isn't, is a vacation from that goal. So you should be not dieting the good majority of the time and then only dieting occasionally. So when you are dieting and it starts to get uncomfortable, what you're going to find is, is that once your calories got up to a good amount, now coming down to 1,400 sucks, right? When 1,200 didn't suck before. 
because now you have a metabolism and before you did. Yeah, exactly. Um, so real quick, I want to let Ed and Amber add anything we have and then um, let's go to Q&A. Amber, any thoughts you want to contribute? No, I'm glad Paul addressed food volume. That makes a huge difference in getting the biggest bang for your buck food wise. Take, for example, a lunch. You could have, you know, a fourth of a cup of rice or you could have four cups of cabbage and have a less carb impact on your macros when they're super, super low. You've got more volume, you're gonna get more fiber, you're gonna be more full. So maximizing what you've got uh, as far as macro and calorie wise with fruits and vegetables. And that's so important to think about that, not just what fits, but what's the biggest bang for your buck to eat. So even though, you know, rice is filling and that's great, but I know that when I did fat loss and I had my little tiny, you know, uh, serving of rice and I got done eating and it's like, that wasn't very much. I feel like I need to eat a little bit more. My family's still eating and I'm sitting there with my little empty plate. And, uh. So having that volume made a huge difference as far as tidy and um, just mentally eating that there was enough food for me to eat that I could see it and um, just felt better for me. So I think that's an important point to um, talk about too. Ed? Yeah, so I'm the same way. Uh, probably in fat loss, I think I eat more uh, just because the volume of food and the low calories that I consume. I have a ton of fiber in my diet, so I need to keep my water super high, but um, I love to eat too, and that's gonna be super helpful for you. So like if you have the option of a Quest Bar, which is 210 calories or so, you know, 20 some grams of protein, whatever, 10 grams of fat and 20 carbs. You know, you could have like an egg white omelet with guacamole and, you know, some sort of like a tomato or anything like that. And that would be a lot more satiating than uh, however, however many grams a Quest Bar is, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. I totally agree. All right, Amber, we've got some questions rolling in here. So let's start and see how many we can get through um, before we have to end this thing. Oh, my goodness. OK, so Jean asked, does the same apply to fat loss, too, or is that going to suck right from the start? So I think she's talking about when we were talking about fat loss one and it being um, a little bit longer. So is that going to suck right from the start with regards to fat loss, too? Paul is shaking yeah. his. <laughs> yeah, it's meant to. It's meant to. You know, um, you're, you're naturally going to have less water. Um, you know, even coming out of AP, right? Because you know, AP only really gets you to 2,000 to 2,100 calories. So let's say that you are a female and you started at, you know, 119. You're going to start at, uh, I'm sorry, 219. You're going to start at 199, right? So it, it it it's going to be more uncomfortable right out the gate, and you probably are still uh, going to have another drop down, right? You're going to have to have. Um, it just sort of depends on where that person is at mentally, right? Like so, let's say in the second round. Because um, just so everybody knows, you know, there's 28 days, and then there's AP stage that's between 14 and 21, and then there's um, 
another 21 to 28 days, kind of depending on a few factors. But the um, the second the second phase, if your sleep is going to shit, if you're kicking the dog, you know, I mean, just all these negative things, you know, you might not want to go down to the lowest low, right? Um, but what we typically see is that you're going to get a pretty good result in the first stage, you know, kind of depending on, you know, where you're at, you're going to lose anywhere from four to 12 pounds, right? Um, probably going to land around that six to eight pound range for the good majority of people. In the AP phase, I mean, I would say six out of 10 people can still lose weight. I do think that some people kind of lose the reins a little bit and then kind of use that, you know, and then you go through a Chuck E. Cheese buffet, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, like calm down with the Chuck E. Cheese buffet. Um, but if they can kind of keep within the constraints and keep their sodium relatively low, they can actually still lose weight in the AP phase because calories don't get really super high there. And then we're really trying to finish things off. So, you know, I, I will say the way that it's structured now compared to the way it was structured, let's say, two years ago, you know, we're bringing the suck a little bit more, you know. So so keep that in mind. So, yeah, it would, it's going to suck more. Okay. Becky asks, how often do you recommend a fat loss cycle? Is it typically done once a year or every six months? I'm on day three of fat loss two and feeling much better and prepared than when I started fat loss one. Is there a fat loss trick? I think she means a fat loss three trick. It's a track trick. So she's asking one, how often do you recommend a fat loss? Um, is it done every, you know, oh. annually? Rather than her telling me her weight, have her give me weight, and I'll answer the question that way. So it's a woman. What does she weigh? Okay, we'll see if Becky responds. I okay. will say I do. I like to have one once or twice a year. And, and you weigh what? I weigh one thirty. Right. That's that's. That's the that's the answer. If you're 130, once a year is probably right. If you're 280, you probably want to be in in almost like a four to five month cycle, right? Um, Wait, she answered. Which she at? What'd so she Becky say? at um, 194. So at 194, you probably want to be in about a six to eight month cycle, right? You want you want to still maintain focus, and I could I could probably make the argument even in that scenario for for a five month, but it sort of gets back to that glass scenario that I talked about, right? It is how much water are you going to drink? I mean, I can think of a great example of somebody who's lost a lot of weight, and uh, you know she kind of stayed on that three to five month cycle. So every time you know she would she would take three months, go into PR, and then she would hit a fat loss cycle. In her last fat loss cycle, she just kind of gave up. She's just used too much of her will, right? And so my advice to her was like, just take the year off, right? Just chill out. You know, you lost 80, she lost like 87 pounds, 
You know, like I, I know we get in our head, I need to lose 100 pounds, right? And then if you're at 87, you feel like so much closer to 13. But how much of that water did you drink? How much of that glass did you get to get to 87, right? I agree. All right, Amber. Yeah, April asks, uh, how much muscle loss should one expect in fat loss? I mean, I didn't lose any, <laughs> but I don't know, Paul. Well, you're you're definitely going to lose a lot more doing something like keto, right? Because it's going to pull all the water out of your muscles. So if you went and did like a DEXA scan or something like that, you're going to see more more um, more muscle loss. In our instance, you know, you're really only having two really restricted days, right? So the whole purpose behind that is to keep your muscle hydrated so you can still work out in the process. When you look at the reason why people lose muscle in fat loss, and, you know, so I kind of agree with Susie that it shouldn't be a lot. If it's any, it should be a pound or two, right? Like it shouldn't be five to 10 pounds. You will see routinely like somebody that goes keto, you know, they'll lose 20 pounds of muscle. And it's like, I'm not sure that's what we're trying to do here, guys. But part of the reason why is because when you take activity out of the mix, because you're so fatigued because you don't have any energy, you're not using carbohydrates, your muscles aren't hydrated, things of that nature, you're going to blow through a lot more muscle. You really shouldn't blow through through muscle there. The one caveat that I would say is that if you're really focused just on cardio and you're not doing any kind of weightlifting at all, um, weight weightlifting is going to be muscle preserving in that instance. So keep that in mind. It also will hold on to weight, right? So this is actually very common where someone goes through a fat loss cycle and actually they gain muscle in that scenario, right? So they lose, you know, so like a great example would be what Susie was talking about earlier, where somebody was under eating and they start to see progress. They lose six pounds, but they gain four pounds of muscle because they were eating 12 calories, 1200 calories before, and now they're eating 1900 calories. So their weight loss was not phenomenal, but when you look at the fat loss overall, it's big, right? And yeah. you will see that also, you will see that also in the 194 pound scenario. The 194 pound scenario or the 260 pound scenario is that the person is holding on to a lot more muscle. Um, I mean, the best example is Anne Marie Swanson, right? When she came to us, she had 120 pounds of muscle, and then now she has 180 pounds of muscle, right? And I mean, like, I literally saw a picture of a person that that look that has the same exact weight as Anne Marie Swanson, and I mean, Anne Marie Swanson could go to every county fair in the world. And when stuffed animal after stuffed animal, no one would guess her weight right. Yeah. So, All right, let's go through some more. Okay, so Verna, I think I said that right, asked, do people quit fat loss? Yes. Mm -hmm. They do, but they shouldn't. Um, <laughs> and and I know, I know 
you know, that that's like sacrilege for me to say. Right. Um, but if you quit fat loss, one, you use too much of your will at other times on other things. Right. I mean, a great example, you know, um, someone's father passes away and then they want to start fat loss the next Monday. How much will do you think you had to use just to get through those moments with your father? Right. Like, do you really think fat loss makes sense in that in that scenario? Right. And so in that scenario, somebody somebody says three weeks in, you know, I, I thought I was ready and I'm not. We will pull them up. But the good majority of people, I mean, I think every coach coach is a little different and they'll read people a little bit different. But I tend to be like, look, you signed up for this. Let's 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 keep it going. You know. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, I think the one the one big example, of course, is if they're new. Right. I mean, if you're new, we set you with a baseline plan and your first goal is two pounds. If you don't hit that first two pounds, you know, you're probably best off not being in fat loss because you're just banging your head against a similar rock that you've been banging your head against since you were five, you know, or 15 or eight or whenever, you know, people start dieting these days. Well, that, and I had a client um, in fat loss and um, got pregnant. So we pulled her out. So there's an, there is a legitimate excuse yeah. to come out of fat loss, but yeah. yeah. And other times maybe, um, like you said, the death in the family or um, stress has just gotten too high or, you know, a job change or something like that might be other reasons to come out. So. So this is a question, and, and Paul, I believe you did a post on this. Becky says, um, she's talking about fat loss too, but she's concerned uh, about having the same outcome. So she wants to wait to do fat loss too until after the holidays. Love that. Love that. Yeah. I do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, was, if I was to do a fat loss cycle, that's exactly how I would do it. You know, I actually think that's the best way to do it. Um, because we know that building the runway. So as an example, like in the case of, of Becky with the 194 pound example, I would argue that that's the best way to do it. I, I think you're more likely, let's say that you wanted to lose 20 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. You're more likely to lose 20 pounds in that scenario than you would be back to back. And the reason is simple, you know, is that you built this runway and then you went through the first stage and then you're actually building another runway to go into the second stage. So I, I, I actually like that. I did a po- post on that called Stop and Go. So check yeah. check that out. We also did a podcast on it. Yeah. Uh, so Christine says she's not um, going to do fat loss for a while, about three months out. Is that too far out to start thinking about it? Not at all, and and Christine's one of mine, and girl, you we've already got a game plan. We already know what's going on. That is not too far out to talk about it. Um, you want to have it planned. You want to have it on the calendar. We have a roadmap already in place to get you where you need to be to make that successful. So, girlfriend, we're already talking yes, about it. And, and, and just, to, just to throw kudos on that situation, that's how everyone should do it. More people would have success 
in fat loss cycles if they didn't view fat loss cycles as the answer and they viewed the recomp or time outside of the fact, you know, if you look at it, you know, we have an, an article on this where it's about like putting money in the metabolic bank. The more money you put in the metabolic bank, the better off you're, you're, you're going to have when you need to make a withdrawal. And that's what a fat loss cycle is. So everyone should actually do it that way. Um, yeah, Amber, I'm going to let you pull one more question, but I did have one. I saw Katie, and I think she's one of mine. I have a couple of people like this who are in fat loss but then have come down with a cold. Maybe they've started antibiotics. Maybe they're on a whole bunch of cold medicine. Um, things stall while they're getting over the cold. What's the best way to handle that, Paul? I mean, we probably need to address this from a tech standpoint, but – I think you almost pause, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you're on ETM3, man, I, I would pause. I don't know that I would overeat necessarily, but I would be focusing a little bit more on getting my sodium levels higher. I would also want to look at, is my sleep bad? You know, if I'm sleeping five to six hours, that's just the formula for my immune system to be compromised. And I see that a lot of times, especially with new people who are constantly sick. You know, I'm very rarely sick. And I mean, I'm around sick people all the time because, you know, I have teenagers, you know, and they don't sleep right, they don't eat right, they go out till midnight or two in the morning and things of this nature. And they don't live like this, you know, adult life that allows you, I mean, they can literally cough in my face and I don't get sick because my immune system is that good, you know? And so if you're not sleeping well or you're kind of living that, you know, teenager life, you know, address that first, you know. See, yeah, but oh, go ahead. I, hold on one second, Susie, because um, yeah. I, I know it's already gone forever, you know. But some of these should go on forever, right? Like we're talking about a lot of really interesting stuff, you yeah. know. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we believe that you should be a client for each form for life. And this is why. Because you want to be able to try something for six months and then see how it worked, right? And you want to be able to change your sleep and you want to be able to change your eating and you want to you want to do a workout that you like and you want to deviate from this and try this, right? I mean, the dieting industry has everybody on this hamster wheel of 21-day transformations. It's like, how's that working for you, you know? And – it, it's not conducive to your a good immune system. It's not conducive to doing workouts that you like, and it's it's not conducive to a good amount of mental health. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I, the point I was just gonna make is if yeah, you are sick or have a cold, just just work with your coach on that. And like as, uh, Paul said, maybe just pause. Um, all right, Amber, one last question, and then let's um, give away our prize. Okay. Um, gosh. Uh, oh, Jamie asked, um, how much should you dial back training during fat loss? I'm still hitting PRs and feeling amazing. 
you're not uncomfortable enough yet. You know, the, um, so it, I mean, there, there, there's two ways to think about this, right? I mean, I'm not trying to diminish what you're saying, but I could see a scenario where somebody has a 30 pound bench press, right? And then they've PR'd it and now it's 40 pound bench press. And that's a significant accomplishment. Anytime you do anything more than you used to do, you become a better human being. That's awesome. But there is a point, like an inflection point, as it relates to what you can do and how much you can eat in this process. So if you are PRing and feeling great and you wish you were always in fat loss, fat loss doesn't suck enough. You know, and we need to make it hurt a little bit more so that you get the result that you need. It needs to be a little bit uncomfortable, right? You should not be PRing in, you know, depending on whether or not you're new to training, right? If you're new to CrossFit, all rules don't apply, right? If you're new to powerlifting, all rules don't apply. You know, you're, you're going to make so much progress at that moment. But you probably shouldn't be in fat loss either. When I first started CrossFit, I wasn't in fat loss. You know, I wanted to fuel all that progress. I literally went from never lifting um, a weight in my life to deadlifting 415 pounds within six months, right? You only do that then. Yeah, I can tell you, Jamie's one of mine, and she's not new to CrossFit by any means. But um, I think that drives home the point about being uncomfortable. Um, and that just because the numbers are pulled down doesn't mean um, that that's it, that that's the only option and, and being able to personalize it for each one. So, um, yeah, anyway. for sure. All, All right. right, Amber, what's your prize? Okay, well, we are going to give away a really nifty food scale for everybody. So talking about food volume and, and quality and quantity and fat loss, we are gonna give away a food scale and it is going to Allison Young. Allison yes. Young is working on the mental aspect and a holistic approach to wellness with um, dealing with some anxiety. So super proud of you for looking at the whole picture, the whole self and working to make that the best version of you. Proud of you. Yeah, absolutely agree. And if you had a question that we didn't get to answer, just pop that in your message to coach um, and your coach can answer. So good. Yay, Allison. Good for you. Um, thanks one for doing Go ahead. One, one last thing. Um, just for anybody that's interested um, and they go, man, this Paul guy, he's really talking some cool stuff. We actually do have spots in intensive coaching. Um, I was just thinking of that Jamie uh, question that you just said, you know, there's five different scenarios that I could create right out the gate based on what she just said. So if you think it would show some value, um, it's myself, it's Brad, it's April. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have you if you think that uh, it might be worthwhile. But it usually is a different way of thinking for a lot of people. So keep that in mind. Yeah, and message your coach if you are interested and, and want access to that link. So, All right, everybody, All right. enjoy your weekend. Uh, we'll have another one in a few weeks and, and talk about some more great issues.
So. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye.